really appreciate everyone being here. Welcome to the fall 2018 semester. Really excited for another fun and productive year. Today we want to take a little bit of time, predominantly for the new graduate students, to introduce you, but also give you an overview of what happens in the three mission areas within the department. So how many of you realize you're a land-grant institution? How many of you know what a land-grant institution is? Okay. So there's a few hands that didn't go up, and so hopefully by, uh, by the end of these next three presentations, you'll have a little better understanding of what that means. We have three mission areas. Those are teaching, research, and extension. Those acts initially go back to Abraham Lincoln in about 1862. And so the, uh, each state having a university that, that focuses on agriculture uh, and mechanics back in, in that time uh, originated a long time ago. It's very visionary of our forefathers to establish that and give land within each state so that institutions like the University of Nebraska can be established. I asked three faculty leaders to present today. Uh, Lisa Carr is the undergraduate research coordinator. Matt Spangler is our extension coordinator. Uh, and Phil Miller doesn't know it yet, but I've just named him the research coordinator uh, for, uh, for the Department of Animal Science. So all, uh, all highly regarded and respected uh, in those three mission areas and in our fields. And so we're going to start with teaching because that was the first act established. And so Dr. We'll just go, we'll go uh, teaching, research, and then extension. All right. So, um, so I'm the undergraduate teaching coordinator, so this is a pretty broad overview of the undergrad program. Try to get updated numbers. So just to start with, in terms of our student demographics and the types of students we have in our program. So um, this is the number of students we have in animal science. So this is Allie and I's estimate from Allie pulling the six-day census data this week. Um, so I think we're up two students this year to 331 undergrads, um, but I don't have the gender split yet. But if you look at our data, we had a lot of growth, um, and it was down a little, but we're kind of being back up. Vast majority of our students are female, so 230 female, uh, 97 uh, male students. So a really high female undergraduate student population. Um, we've also seen a shift with that increase in female students and increase in uh, urban students as well. Um, so this is their interest by species of animal they want to work with. Um, students fill out an informational card at new student enrollment. So when they first come in the summer, um, and then we try to update it as we go, but this is sort of based on that initial, what animal do you want to work with uh, information. The most recent data I have is fall 2017, so last year. Um, and you can see uh, about 38% of them are interested in companion animals and exotics. Um, and then 37, so almost the same, uh, interested in beef cattle. Uh, horses um, are about 16%, and then about 9% either marked a different species or marked a lot of things, right? They couldn't pick one. So they're all kind of lumped together there at the bottom. Uh, within our undergraduate teaching program, we have seven undergraduate options. Um, 
um, depending that the students can use those specialized depending on what their interest is in a career after uh, undergraduate. So we have an animal biology and biotechnology option, which is for students who are thinking about graduate school. So it's heavy in the biology and science classes. Um, we have business and communications. Um, and so looking at the recent graduates from that option, a lot of those students ended up in like banking or lending, those sorts of uh, job areas. A lot of them may be dual majoring with ag economic business. Uh, we have a companion animal option uh, for students wanting to work with small animals. Again, the career services job data, what we've got from our survey that I did, a lot of those students are now working at animal shelters for pet food companies, uh, boarding, training, grooming facilities, um, as well as many of them going to graduate school or veterinary school. Um, the equine science option, I had less responses in that option on my, when I did the survey, but um, we have some that are working at boarding, training facilities, um, one in, a couple in like communications type jobs within the equine industry, um, and then some that are at horse farms in Kentucky. Um, the food animal production and management option, so these would be <coughs> students who are going back into production uh, industries, so maybe they've gone back to the family farm, which was a common answer. Um, or they're working for a feedlot or a feed company um, related to livestock. Uh, the meat science option, uh, those of you that going back into the meat and going to the meat industry, working in food processing, uh, quality assurance. <coughs> we're probably more going into the jobs than are graduating from that option. So I think some are coming from other options and working in that area. And then the last option uh, alphabetically is veterinary animal science. Um, and those of you students who are looking at going to veterinary school. Um, and what we've seen is that animal science students do make up um, a, a well over half of the uh, class going into the vet school at Nebraska and Iowa State. So this is really hard to read. I'm not expecting you to. But this was just, I thought, if you wanted to see the number of students by options, like in which options were most popular um, among our students, they do now declare their options. But I, when I looked at that data, it wasn't all, not all of them had them yet. So the most popular option is the food animal production and management option. That's where 32% um, of our students fall under that option. And then another about a third of our students fall in the veterinary animal science option. So thinking about vet school or on that path. Um, this one tends to be more heavily freshman sophomores and they maybe swap out to other options as they go. Um, and then the third most popular one is the companion animal science option. Um, and then followed by uh, equine science, the animal biology and biotechnology business and communications and meat science. Um, and so we can see kind of a lot of our students sort of fall in that pre-vet to start with. Um, similar data, this is the graduate by option. So you can see um, we've had some uh, fluctuation in our graduating class for a couple years where they were really big. Um, in the last year, about 63 students graduate in animal science. Um, and then again, by what option they graduate from, the highest is the uh, production management, second is the vet animal science, and then uh, the companion home business option are the next um, highest ones. So I think that business one goes up a lot here because as students maybe don't like science as well or don't do as well, some of them slide into that business option from, uh, from other ones because it does have a little less science. Um, 
we retain a pretty high amount of students in animal science from the first year to the second year. Um, and so if you're looking at this data, this is the percentage of students who started animal science as a freshman come back in animal science as a sophomore in the first column. So 70 to 78% of students who started at the freshman year as a freshman in animal science major are still an animal science major their second year. Um, the next column over is the percentage of our students who started animal science because they aren't still an animal science major but are somewhere in Kasner. And so that's an even higher number, right? 78 to 86% are still somewhere in Kasner, so in the College of Ag. Um, students that are still in Kasner but not in animal science, ag, econ, ag business, fisheries and wildlife are kind of the two most popular ones that, that they might be in. Um, and then the um, percentage that are still somewhere at UNL but not in Kasner, right? That's anywhere between 85 and 94%. So we're actually pretty high in terms of our students that we recruited into UNL staying in animal science and at the university. The overall university retention rate is um, about 80 to 83%. So a higher percentage of our students are staying at UNL than the UNL overall average. Skip that one. Um, and then graduation rates. Um, I haven't gotten the newest ones yet. They're not calculated. Um, but our graduation rate, graduating in animal science, so starting animal science, finish animal science, um, in four years is, um, was 43% from the cohort who started in 2012 when I graduated in 2016, 2017. Um, so um, fairly decent. Um, it is lower than the UNL, the UNL overall graduation rate is 40%. Um, this number is higher, right? It's 58% of them graduated from UNL in four years. So they started in animal science and graduated somewhere at UNL. So almost 60% stayed at UNL and graduated. It wasn't necessarily in animal science, but we're here and graduated, which I think is a good number to be at because let's say our students are graduating and we found the right fit for them, right? If they're graduating in four years. Then if we weren't the right fit, we helped them find where they should be. Um, this is six-year graduation rate data, so similar thing here, 54% um, of our incoming freshmen are graduating from animal science in six years, so they started animal science, stayed animal science all the way through their career and graduated. Um, and then 78% uh, of them are graduating from UNL in six years, so pretty high rate. The overall UNL rate is that 66% of incoming freshmen graduate in six years. So. Um, looking at this number, it's actually pretty um, high in terms of them graduating from UNL. Um, with that in mind, we are doing a lot of things to increase retention, right? We're keeping animal science students in animal science or recruiting new students into animal science. Um, so um, Katie isn't here today. She's actually meeting with a group of new animal science students, right? She's meeting with transfer students right now. Um, but our new academic affairs graduate student is Katie Forrest. If you haven't met Katie, Center faculty, I'd really recommend you come by and meet her. She's in the hub, usually eight to one most days. Um, so she's assisting with 95, our freshman orientation seminar, as well as 201. Um, so one thing I would say for graduate students who are here, probably next semester in 201, I'll be asking more grad students to maybe come talk in there about what they do, what they've done, right, to help students get a better idea of what graduate school is and how it works. So if I hit you up for that, that's what that class is, um, and sophomore students. Um, and then she's helping meet with students in need of support or assistance and how we develop programs to increase student success. So if there's stuff that you wish got done in the hub or you could see happen in the hub, 
come like Katie and I or send her an email. Um, junk food days are now on Wednesday, so they've got snacks today in the hub. Um, and so if anybody's not familiar with the hub, if you're a new graduate student, it's our student success center down here, um, A214. Um, and so it's right, advising information on stuff. There's a nice study space. Um, there's a computer that undergrad students can print on. So if someone goes to TA for class and they say they can't print it at home, there's a computer and a printer in the hub that they can go use five cents a page, which is basically free um, in comparison to other spots, right? And then success programming, obviously food brings students in there. So um, that's sort of what we do in the hub. Right, that's the end of my slides. Are there any questions for me?
Panhandle Research and Extension Center in Scotts Bluff, where Dr. Jenkins is located. The High Plains Ag Lab in Sydney, 2,400 acres of high range. And then the Barda Brothers Ranch uh, near Ainsworth, um, that's about 6,000 acres. So some of the other off-campus facilities that you might hear about, like I said, well-funded department over this five-year period recruited almost $23 million. That's significant. Speaks highly to the caliber of our research faculty. All right, I'm going to quickly go through the research groups, and I've included a little byline of what their area is. I'm not going to talk about everyone individually. Um, our breeding and genetics group has got a strong foundation in genomics and quantitative genetics. So, these individuals are here. I'm going to ask them to stand up. I don't see Dr. Chibano. Is Dr. Lewis here? Yep, I'm here. Dr. Ron Lewis. Dr. Moat. I know Dr. Peterson's here. And my personal ticket vendor, Dr. Spank. <laughs> okay. Um, our animal health group is at N of one. I don't know if Dr. Blue is here today. He's located over in the virology department. He's had a very well, a, a new program that has been very successful in looking at um, viral diseases in swine, specifically the PERS virus. Um, we have some faculty that um, are adjunct with, um, or not adjunct, but have a partial appointment in the department. Um, Dr. Kelch and Dr. Uh, Milmeyer Schmidt are both in biological systems engineering. I just found out Rick doesn't have a research appointment anymore, so I didn't include Dr. Stowell. He doesn't have a research appointment, but um, have worked closely with the department in terms of environmental issues and nutrient management and how that affects animal production and producers. Is Amy here today? Our meat science group. Looking at pre and post harvest factors, muscle biology, uh, fresh meats, value added processing, long history in those areas. I didn't put Dr. Burson. Is Dr. Burson here? I didn't put him on the list. Dr. Hawkins, Dr. Jones, Dr. Schmidt. Wow, oh, AWOL. I know Gary's here, Dr. Sullivan. Our non-ruminant nutrition group, swine and poultry nutrition, um, working in gut health, the energy amino acid metabolism. Um, Dr. Curtum, is Dr. Curtum here? Works as an applied nutrition program, both in bullets and layers. Dr. Berkey's here. I think by now everybody knows Phil Miller research. <laughs> Physiology group, long history in male and female reproduction, uh, metabolic endocrinology, um, internal metabolism effects on offspring, new, new area of maternal stress and, and offspring metabolism and production. Funston's not here. He's at North Platte. Dr. White. Dr. Wood. Dr. Gates. 
<laughs> Ruminant nutrition, the largest group, largest number of faculty, um, lots of different areas, cow-calf, feedlot nutrition, um, crop management, byproducts, a lot of different areas that that group works in. Um, Dr. Gunoski. Dr. Erickson. Dr. Fernando. The room and microbiologist. His office is located like in the perfect place because it's right between the, the ruminant and environmental nutrition. And as you can see, he works in microbial areas, both relative to ruminants and, and non-ruminants. Dr. Jenkins is at Scott's Clough. Dr. Kononoff, who's a dairy nutritionist. Dr. McDonald, we also refer to him as Jazz. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> Dr. Molinex is at North Platte as well, and Dr. Watson. There's lots of collaborations that are going on in the, in the department, and I'm, I know I missed some, but clearly the department's had a rich history with working with the Medical Research Center, uh, the Med Center in Omaha, some things developing with the Henry Dory Zoo and the Lincoln Zoo here, Lincoln Children's Zoo. I know that a lot of people have collaborations in Brazil, both with academia and industry, um, and that seems like that's really developing. Uh, a number of UNL groups, I just included a couple of those, uh, the Food for Health Center and the Center for the Prevention of Obesity and Disease. There's a lot of co collaboration with faculty in this department. Um, faculty here um, collaborate a lot with other departments. I think every department on uh, East Campus, there's a collaboration going in a lot of departments now on the city campus as well. So. Um, that's been a real fruitful area for the department. Um, one of the things that we don't think got enough press in our review was the activity the department went through to discuss their future vision for research. Um, there were three core areas that were identified in the academic program review, animal biology, sustainable animal production systems, animal science literacy. I'm not going to talk about the animal science literacy, but the animal biology and, and sustainable production systems are, I think, worth mentioning, uh, especially if you're a new fact or a new uh, student and you're not quite sure how the whole research thing goes together. But the animal biology core area recognizes the work that our basic scientists are doing on a fundamental level. It also identifies and recognizes going forward that there are some emerging issues um, in terms of the post-biome, microbiome area. We also have a critical number of faculty who are very successful at using their animal model work, their animal work, and applying it to biomedical uh, bio research, and that's going to continue to be a fruitful area of funding for those individuals. Um, the other, as, as we look at this, the production systems for the major species, beef, dairy, poultry, and swine, um, they're being looked at in a, in a sustainable uh, format, and this is just the example that was in the 
APR for the beef production systems, maybe the one that's the most developed at this point. Um, but what I want to emphasize on this, it's very collaborative and it's very team oriented. And it looks at identifying resources, expertise, and addressing some of the key issues that the animal industries and the consumers are facing. So I think it's a novel way for the nucleus of people working in this area in the department around the university to tackle the problem. That's it. Any questions? Comments? Right, thanks. So, uh, one, if there was an award for the shortest presentation out of this group, I'd win. Uh, so, uh, maybe there's a point to be had there. Uh, you shouldn't belabor things. Um, when, when I was, uh, when I was uh, a graduate student before this, I really uh, had a, a very narrow and naive view of extension. So, I thought of it as the, the people that helped at the county fair. Right, that was kind of what I thought extension was. And what I want to maybe help point out is that uh, it, it's far broader uh, than that. The other thing that you'll see is there'll be quite a bit of overlap in the names between uh, my presentation and Dr. Miller's. And that's because the, the PhD level extension personnel in the department, we call them extension specialists, uh, have uh, partial appointments in more than one mission. So they're not 100% extension appointment, either extension and research or extension and teaching, and that's by design. That's to ensure that uh, people that are extending information to stakeholders across the state and, and regionally, nationally, globally are engaged in either teaching in the classroom or in, in discovery and research as well. So what do we do? We work with producers, uh, livestock producers, allied industry, uh, and you. And so our goal is to take the discovery uh, from the, the research and, and curriculum <clears throat> development arms of the university and extend that out to stakeholders. Our mission is really to deliver science-based information in a timely fashion. So we react to uh, immediate needs of, of our clientele and we use different approaches to do that. So again, uh, as I learned more about extension, I thought it was the people that stood up in the position I am right now and uh, kind of told you how it is. And really, that's not what extension is. So it is uh, large meetings, small meetings, web-based presence, and engaging in translational research that Dr. Miller mentioned, where we actually work directly with stakeholders, directly with producers uh, in accomplishing research tasks. And also we use a, what's commonly called a train the trainer kind of approach. There's only so many of us and there's a lot more stakeholders. So we train key technology and key technology adopters that then disseminate our message uh, much more broadly. Obviously we integrate research uh, with producer education. So again, we're research focused. From a youth perspective, we help develop skills to enable career success. So again, think back about the contacts or contacts you've had at your county or state fair or whatever. There's much more that goes on annually to actually support those activities. So it's really youth education, curriculum development, and helping prepare those youth 
uh, for whatever their future career may be. Also, I would contend that Extension has a recruiting responsibility. So um, I think uh, youth across the state are very well connected with the Extension personnel that their family work with or via youth programs. And it's that connection at a very, very early age that oftentimes can help attract young people that pursue an undergraduate degree. So the areas of expertise we have from a youth perspective, we cover the gamut from companion animals, poultry, meat science, species specific things, and beef, sheep, and swine, and obviously equine as well. So again, these are youth events, be it livestock shows, judging contests, career development kinds of activities. From an adult perspective, uh, again, we hit many of the same uh, species or areas. Beef, uh, as Dr. Miller alluded to uh, in, uh, in the research side of the presentation, we have a lot of capacity in beef cattle. So some of you may come from states where uh, the land-grant institution had a extension specialist in beef that had an unrealistic expectation of knowing everything about nutrition, reproduction, genetics, environment, et cetera. Uh, we're much more specialized in that. So people like uh, Dr. Jenkins work really in, in cow-calf management and nutrition, uh, Dr. Punston in reproduction, Dr. Molnix really on the interface of uh, reproduction and applied nutrition, Erickson in the feedlot space, Dr. Drunowski in double crops, um, which, which I think is the correct terminology for cover crops because it's additional harvested crop. So even a geneticist can learn about things like that. Um, and then myself, who, who works in the space of genetics. Uh, dairy, we have a, a unique pairing, Dr. Kahnenoff, uh, a nutritionist, uh, but paired directly with what we call an extension educator in, in Tim Clark. So our extension educators have a minimum of a master's degree, some have a PhD, but they're really the people, uh, most of the time, that are spread out across the state, okay? They've got county or regional-based um, responsibilities to be direct contacts to stakeholders. Of course, Dr. Kathy Anderson, I'd encourage you, if you have any equine interest at all, uh, to Google HorseQuest. Um, it's a, a nationally and internationally recognized uh, web-based platform through something called eExtension uh, that Dr. Anderson has really provided leadership with. Meet Science and, and Dr. Burson works principally um, with uh, health and safety uh, regulations and plants, uh, swine, Dr. Moat. Um, actually, a, a geneticist that has extension responsibilities really spanning all things related to swine. And then uh, uh, colleagues uh, that have partial appointments in this department that work in environmental aspects. So we do have a statewide presence, and, and that was alluded to in the research uh, portion of the talk, where we actually have faculty uh, located across the state, Scotts Bluff, in North Platte, and then we have an extension educator actually housed uh, at NREC. And the idea there is, is that the needs of clientele differ across the state, um, but also for those of you that haven't been to Scotts Bluff, it's a long ways away from here. And so it would be really easy for the people in the, the western part of Nebraska to feel a greater connection to places like Wyoming, Colorado State, if Nebraska wasn't strategic and actually had a presence uh, in the far corners of our state. I mentioned we have county and region-based extension educators, again, that have a master's or a PhD, and a clearly defined area of expertise. Uh, so 
they're clearly defined as being maybe involved in beef cattle systems or in community vitality development or clearly have an expectation of working with you. And one of those educators uh, has a clear expectation of uh, being involved in beef quality assurance or, or BQA. So that's my slides. Any questions? Let's give all these faculty a round. Very nice overview of our three mission areas. areas. So new students, a couple of things that struck me while I was listening. One is if you're interested in TAing a class, I highly encourage you to take that opportunity. Even if you don't think you're going to end up in academia ever, uh, that is very valuable experience to prepare a lecture, get up in front of a class, deliver it, and in the process of teaching, you learn the most, right? So the best way to learn a subject is to teach it. If then indeed uh, you're going to TA, a really good approach is to get with a faculty member in a different disciplinary area than your own and challenge yourself with a course outside of your discipline area. So if you come in from a program where you feel a weakness uh, in a specific species or in a specific discipline, take the opportunity to TA that class because in that process, you're gonna learn a lot. I will say the same about extension. So if Dr. Spangler just went through the whole list of our specialists, they get out in the state, they're very well connected with the producers in the state. And so if you would like to travel with them for a day, I'm sure that opportunity would exist. And so again, take the opportunity while you're here for this two or three years to really stretch yourselves and grow outside of your specific area. And of course, ASGSA is a really good place to engage with each other. Uh, determine what projects are going on, again, in other disciplines, and, and graduate students uh, typically can use help sampling, right? So if you have an opportunity to stay up all night with the physiology group and pull blood uh, or collect ruminant fluid samples, which is my favorite, uh, you can take, take advantage of those opportunities to do that. So I want to introduce the new graduate students now. So. As I call your name, I'd like for you to stand up, and I am going to butcher some last names, and so I also invite you to correct me, right? As I as I introduce Cassidy, Bussy, Boos, <laughs> South Dakota, uh, working with Dr. Kononov in the area of ruminant nutrition. Welcome, Cassidy. Dorothy Elskin, did I get that right? All right, one to one. Uh, from, from Nebraska, working with Dr. White in the area of physiology. And so, Dorothy, we welcome you. Katie Forrest, that was a more easy one, or easy one. Uh, from Illinois in educational administration. She's the one that Dr. Carr introduced a little bit ago, working in the hub. So in the student success area, 
be a lot of opportunities to, to meet Katie if you just walk through the hub. Uh, she, she has hours there, and, and uh, I'm sure many of you will have the opportunity to interact with her. Rebecca Furbeck. Okay. Uh, really nice one. I'm not here to defend her last name. Um, <laughs> also from Illinois, working with Dr. Sullivan in the meats area. Emma Graham from Rhode Island, maybe the furthest uh, in the United States, working in complex biosystems, uh, concentrating on host microbial interactions with Dr. Fernando. Haley Kaiser, maybe here, uh, working with Dr. Carr in Extension, Master's student, also from Nebraska. Josh Knapp. Josh is from, where are you from in Kansas? Wichita area. Wichita area. Uh, working with Dr. Murky in non-ruminant nutrition. Welcome. <laughs> Kirby Krogstad. Did I get that right? Yes. All right. From South Dakota, working again with Dr. Kondanoff in ruminant nutrition. Kirby, we welcome you. Kyle McLean. I saw Kyle here from Maine. Uh, so we have a couple of in the US. Uh, again, working with Dr. Kononoff in the area of ruminant nutrition. Welcome, Kyle. <laughs> Esther Brisho. Did I get her name right? From Indiana, working with Dr. Fernando and Dr. Mark Pay in natural resources. Tyler Pickenpaw, uh, known to us from, because uh, he did his undergraduate here from Wyoming, working with Dr. Berkey in non-ruminant nutrition, also helping with the judging team. Tyler, welcome. <laughs> Caitlin Ross, Caitlin's here from Kentucky, working with Dr. White in physiology. Very pleased to have you here. <laughs> Askel Wiseman from Nebraska. Askel working with Dr. Erickson in ruminant nutrition. Welcome aboard. Getting down to the end of the alphabet here. Uh, Jaihu Jiang. I, I got your last name close, but messed up. <laughs> no, you can call me Jiang or Jiang. Jiang? Yeah. From China, also working with Dr. Erickson. So the, the farthest student. <laughs> uh, we, we welcome you, Jay Wong. And Robert Ziegler. Robert's here, master student from Pennsylvania, working with Dr. Funston and Dr. McDonald uh, in physiology. Welcome forward, Robert. <laughs> So, uh, opportunity for tomorrow, the ASGSA, putting a plug in for them, uh, Wendy Pinkerton, who's a public relation, relations person for Zoetis, will be here to give her thought about, thoughts about what happens after graduation or after graduating from uh, an institution of higher ed. That will be from 12 to 1.30 in B101. 
Uh, any food associated with that, graduate students? Yeah, there's coffee and cookies. Coffee and cookies. That's another great opportunity. So please, uh, please join us uh, for Lindy's seminar if you get the opportunity. Also, going to remind everyone about the picnic tomorrow evening from five to eight uh, in Antelope Park at the Old Pavilion. Um, faculty, again, a reminder, if you would, to, to please bring a dessert like we did last year. Graduate students are bringing games. Uh, all the staff who bond our family this year and, and all the staff, uh, graduate students and faculty are invited and their families. And so it'll be a really good opportunity to interact with each other and get to know each other better. Hope that the majority of you can make it. We have a good, we have a good pre-sign up. I think 140 signed up. So really looking forward to tomorrow evening. Two weeks from today, Mark Trotter from the University of Queensland, who works in precision livestock management area, will be here. Jim Kinder, who was on the faculty here, was Andrew Cup's major professor uh, and is, is uh, now emeriti at Ohio State, was the Department of Ohio State, uh, will be here with Mark. So please plan for two weeks uh, to be at seminar in the off weeks. Most most of those weeks are filled up, not, not on a Wednesday at noon, uh, sometimes on a Friday. Okay, but I really appreciate the faculty and especially the discipline groups opening up those opportunities for the entire department to engage. And so I hope we'll really support each other uh, in terms of our disciplines, in terms of our students, and especially the outside speakers that we invite in. I hope you'll attend as many seminars as you can. So again, let's thank, thank our faculty leaders, uh, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. And look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. So thank you all for being here.